episode 218 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Thrilled you are here. You're in store for a great conversation. Going to get right to it. A quick intro. My cats are napping, so I'm going to try and record this one as quickly as possible so they don't invade the recording studio. Yeah, you're in store for a great talk. I welcome Brett Farkas to the show. Look, I've had a lot of shows, a lot of episodes, a lot of guests, and I, I loved a lot of them. I think this one really captures, though, my my hope and intention in recording my show, producing my podcast. I, I think it captures my curiosity towards learning about new people, new artists, but also hearing about their perspective towards this interesting, peculiar, um, often beautiful, but often confusing world of tech and social media. And I met Brett many years ago at a music supervising showcase. He was, he was the band, he was the artist. And we connected on social media over the years. So follow him on Instagram at Brett Farkas Music, Spotify Brett Farkas. He leads a band called Boys School, but he also puts out a lot of solo projects as well under his name. This is from his website, Brett Farkas Music. Uh, he's a multi-genre solo artist and session musician. He's worked with Solomon Burke, Amy Mann, Rihanna, the band Lord Huron, and he has also released a string of singles under his own name, as well as three albums fronting the rock and roll band Boys School. And yeah, I'm, I'm still really reflecting and thinking a lot about our talk. And I just spoke to somebody yesterday on the phone, and she was just talking about how Instagram and social media are creating a world where artists and creators feel like they have to be a particular way. And so I, I think about that. I, I think Brett and I talk a lot about social media, uh, creativity, how social media has impacted the world of art. I mean, he shares a story where he's playing a show and one of the musicians is, is more concerned with taking a selfie, grabbing the performance, as opposed to actually performing live with the band. And I got to tell you, talking to Brett really rekindled my creative spirit. It was great to connect with him, hear his story. We find out about his background in music, how he got into music, uh, what he's doing out here in LA, his perspective on the world and and technology and social media and creativity. I think it's a powerful talk, thoughtful talk, and, and I certainly was thinking about it for days after speaking with him. So you can find Brett again on social at Brett Farkas Music or his website is brettfarkasmusic.com. Um, you know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. New book, SSAFY, you can find on Amazon. Any questions, please reach out to me. Also incredibly helpful, write a review for the show. Head over to iTunes, write a review, or please share the show with your friends. Hope you enjoy this one. All the music on today's episode features Brett Farkas. Great music, great guitar player. Brett, again, thanks for taking the time. And thanks so much to all of you for listening supporting and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.
What's hey, up? Eddie. There he is. What's up? How you doing? Hold on one second. Yeah. Hopefully I can see. There we go. Now I can see you. Hey. All right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Getting it's, my settings together. It's all good. Thanks. Yeah. Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. How's it been? Boy. Um... Man, where to start? All, you know, generally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll just speak of of this week. This this has been a great week and um yeah, I just I just got a new Hold on. I'll show you. Oh, I'm only going to show you just because you're a guitar player. I've had a Martin for like 15 years. I just got a new a Taylor acoustic. Go. Cool. About a week ago and man, I I can't stop playing this thing. It's great. Cool. Is it just real easy to get around on yeah that's the thing my my martin it's like 15 years old and it sounds great but um i don't know like it's i it probably just needs a, a setup or something so um but the, the tailor just it, it does seem to play easier so i'm i'm it's it's i guess that's that's so much of music you know it's got to be easy yeah 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 or yeah different guitars just kind of bring different things out of out of you yeah you know? yeah so yeah I, that's sort of been my my world the last like I don't know I'm just I'm I've been feeling really creative so it's it's been good. Cool, nice. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. What are you? Um, are you in LA still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in uh, South Pasadena. Okay, cool, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Um, like Miracle Mile area. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And where are you? Are you from Michigan? Uh-huh. Okay. And you've been yeah. out you've been out here a while. Yeah, since two thousand three. Okay. So this this does it still feel good here? Yeah, yeah. I mean I get a little uh a little antsy sometimes, but I mean yeah, I, this, this is home for sure. Yeah, yeah. First thing that I'm just thinking about sort of this biographical um sort of vibe that I'm thinking. Um two areas. I guess the first thing, when did music, if you can sort of transport yourself into a time machine when when did music percolate the senses the juices when did you feel like music was um, something that you wanted to um, not I don't want to say professionally yet but just when when did music percolate your senses and, and create yeah, some curiosity yeah. Yeah. um there's probably like a few like benchmarks in that um sure sorry I'm just kicking off my shoes here yeah um kind of my first recollection recollections of music really kind of meaning something um and really hitting me was in third grade I did like a summer art camp uh like I, I grew up in Michigan from 10 on and that's where my dad was originally from but we lived in Florida for about seven years from when I was like three until 10. Okay. When I was down there in like third grade I went to like an like a summer art camp it was like a week long or something like that maybe yeah it was like a week long um and it was really cool, like, and, and the teacher just turned us on to all these kind of different techniques and things like that. But while we were working, she would put on uh, classical music. And so we, we, we listened to all sorts of classics. And yeah, and, um, yeah like, so after that, um, like, uh, I like I liked it so much and, and talked about it so much that, that uh, my mom... We went to the, the, the tape store uh, <laughs> and, and uh, she got me... Uh, Tchaikovsky, Swan Lake, uh, and the Nutcracker on tape, and then Beethoven. It looks like Beethoven's greatest hits. Yeah. Do you and, remember? Uh, do you remember any of the emotive qualities or feelings or like like uh, 
because I, I remember my mom and I, I was very young, she would drive me around in this Datsun 280Z while she was doing errands. And she would have like the classical radio station on. And I specifically remember just instantly responding and like humming to Beethoven's Ninth, similarly to you. And I didn't know what the hell it was. Yeah. But, but I just, I, I remember it sort of emotionally really impacting me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like that specific uh, experience, like it just went so, it went totally with, with just the creative process and, and, and making art and, and things like that. And, yeah. and it got into my head without me even trying. Yeah. Uh, but, but similar to you too, I do remember taking road trips with my mom. Uh, we would drive and visit my brother who was living in South Carolina and then we'd drive up to Pittsburgh, where I was originally born. Uh, we'd make like summer trips up in, in the car from Florida and stuff, and we would just listen to the radio and stuff. So like pop radio, like at the time, you know. And yeah. uh, I really distinctly remember like uh, every every breath you take was on the radio a lot, and sure. and, uh, and like uh, Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine was on a lot, and, and just things like that, and just stuff my mom dug. So that those those are yeah my my earlier recollections of music yeah uh, my dad also had had his own taste and stuff and he would show me things and put put things on the record player and stuff i, I remember him being really into uh africa by tote like he sure. got the 45 of it when it came out and he'd be like come listen to this it's got a really nice rhythm to it and, yeah. <laughs> and he'd put on africa and <laughs> um, were they musicians also no my dad uh, is a photographer, um, like like a serious. Uh, he, he, he's not prof professional, but yeah. uh, he, he's he, he he has done like work for it and stuff like that. But but he's kind of kept it in a more of a just like a personal way to spend his time. So he, he's been a been been a, a serious photographer for his pretty much since he was like twenty. So yeah. Um, and my mom, uh, she's a real appreciator. Okay. Uh, of the arts and stuff, but yeah, not not musicians. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, did you pick up the guitar first, or sort of what what made you go to that place of I'm I want to start playing? Yeah. Um, well, when we moved from Florida to Michigan, uh, when I was in fifth grade, all of a sudden the school had a music program in Florida. They didn't have a they didn't have any music programs going on in wow. their schools. Got to Michigan and they asked. They said, "Do you want to be? In, do you want to?" play an instrument and I was like what I, I didn't even know kids were allowed to play instruments I thought that was like something adults did so yeah um so I chose I said well saxophone sounds cool I, I didn't know I don't know and and they said actually because we came like a month into the school year they had already picked it they said we got enough saxophone players what's your second choice and I said uh, violin <laughs> and yeah. so yeah so I, I started playing violin uh for two years wow. uh fifth and sixth grade yeah that's cool yeah. Do you, do you still play? No. Okay. No. Uh, that's not, like, I mean, so, yeah, and then around fifth, in fifth grade, like, and that summer after fifth grade, that's like 91. I distinctly remember the summer of 91, uh, I was home alone, uh, my parents were working, uh -huh. uh, and I'd, I'd be home watching MTV. Sure. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I want, I just wanted that violin to be a guitar. And so yeah, I started okay. pretending it was a guitar. Um, so I remember summer of 91 really kicking in where I was like, I like, I like music. I like rock and roll. I like music that's on MTV right now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's funny. I, I, 
I have strong memories and recollections of that time between 90 and 2000. You know, I, I think I'm a little older than you probably, but it doesn't even matter. It, it's because you had MTV, you had Jeff Buckley, you had Seattle bands and Pearl Jam and Nirvana. And it's funny, I, pl- I, I was a piano player. Uh, but then the 80s came along and like Van Halen, um, I'm sorry, yeah, the late 80s, That's that. so that inspired me to start playing the drums. So I would play the drums to all the Van Halen songs and all the hair metal bands. That was like, got me into drums. And then the early 90s, I was hearing Nirvana for the first time and like Polly, that song Polly and Something in the Way. And, and so yeah. that, that made me want to pick up the guitar and start playing the guitar and writing my own song. So it was, that was a really impactful, like to, to be sort of between the ages of like 10 and 25, I think in that time period, I, I just feel so lucky. Yeah, a lot of things like really came together, I, I, I think. I mean, because uh-huh. it was still... Like MTV was still playing the stuff from the eighties. Yep. Um, you know, so so gu- like Guns N' Roses was was big on oh, MTV yeah. still, but yep. like and but then there yeah, but then like by end of ninety one and early ninety two, like all that like Pearl Jam and Nirvana started really really getting popular. Soundgarden, Allison Chains, yep. um, and all those bands got kind of lumped together, but as grunge but they're also different too and they're also original you can and, and you can hear where they kind of came out of too they all sound kind of like they were into you know things prior but they they spun it totally different and they were all so different from each other it, it was it was kind of silly like how how they got all lumped together just because they were from seattle or whatever but. yeah yeah no that it's it's weird i i I want to personalize it a bit with you, but I do contemplate and reflect back on that time period and how, like, societally speaking, if you were into music, there was, like, only one place to go, and that was, you know, the record store, Tower Records, or MTV, um... And that was about it. That's, like, how you found out about music. And and I felt like culturally there was such a a cultural connection to the Seattle music. And then obviously you had uh, hip-hop in L.A. and New York, which was just exploding then. Yeah. And I guess I do sort of correlate it and compare it to sort of now in music. And it's like, I think there's this, it's, it's, you know, the smile, the uh, Radiohead sort of offshoot band just came out with the record a few weeks ago. I just started checking that out. Yeah, it's, that's cool. It's fucking great. Yeah. And so I sort of like think about, I, I remember when OK Computer came out in 96 and I remember when Nevermind came out and and I don't know if it's because I was sort of like in college or, which, which look, that could explain it all, but there did feel like there was this sort of collective happening where we were all sort of congregating around an, a creative entity and and collectively responding to it and it sort of like created this almost crescendo culturally and now it's like i'm sort of on my own path like like the smile came out i think it's great i i, I and but it's hard for me to sort of get this cultural connection going on because everybody's sort of on their own algorithm path yeah i don't yeah. know am i making any sense absolutely i mean 
maybe we're just too old. Yeah. Like, like, you know, maybe, maybe the kids are really <laughs> tapped into it. I don't know. Or yeah. maybe the smile is, makes sense to you and I, cause it, it sounds kind of like what we came up on and stuff, but yeah, I, don't, yeah, I it, it's hard to try and understand as an older per not that we're old but like as an older person when when you know bands are in their late teens and early 20s and the fans are yeah it's it's you know music rock music or whatever popular music is is for the kids and, yeah. and we shouldn't know about it i guess <laughs> you know yeah yeah sure <laughs> so who knows what would uh but I, I i i do feel i feel a little bit like there's a little bit lost and yeah like every, maybe maybe everybody's kind of just on their own then maybe there's there's so much to to, to grab from at this point and uh, we're all just so kind of like confused in this this <laughs> internet uh i mean yeah i mean it's it's a beautiful thing and and like a really like uh you just get confused because you uh what's it called option paralysis or whatever <laughs> yeah I've never, um, I've never heard that before. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think about it even when I first heard that. I was like, oh, that, that that's yeah. And it, it is a term that people say like about anything. Like watching Netflix, you just see all these options, and you go, oh, <laughs> and you just look at the options for like an hour. But yeah. But uh, but yeah, like music kind of feels similar. Like there's so much to check out now, and uh, everybody can can uh, you know. Put, put their own work everybody can make music at this point which is which is a beautiful thing that's, yeah. that's an amazing thing it's at everybody's fingertips and now and why why shouldn't it be all the the technology is so so good to to where anybody anywhere could be making their own music and putting it out and and and, and then have access to check out anybody's music across the world and check out like old old classic records and like the 20 other records that that group made that you never got a chance to have your hands on that, that i think I was, I, i'm still discovering music that uh came out a long time ago you know like of some of my so-called favorite artists that i just never had a chance to check out those other albums you know so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a cool thing Access to so much, uh, you know. I can go into YouTube and watch Pearl Jam live videos for the next three months, and and I wouldn't be able to watch every one. I I I guess I often think about um, what is what is this. I guess I'm thinking about the streaming services, but let's backtrack really fast. Did so? At what point were you like? Because I won't forget that thought about streaming services. At what point were you sort of like, oh, I want to try and do this for a living? Or did you want to get a record deal? Or did you come to L.A. to be a studio musician? Or, or sort of what what created or how was that path created? Yeah, like like in high school, I, I started really taking music really seriously. And I, I got into all, all – I was in – 
into all sorts of music at the time. I was I was into punk and 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 rock and roll, uh, but then I got into blues and jazz and soul music. Um, and 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 Detroit had has such a lineage of all of that. Yeah. Um, '90s man, like like all the legends were still out playing around town and stuff, and it, it was a really really. Um, supportive city like if you were interested in in detroit music like the, mu- the the music scene was very open to you you coming and so the 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 clubs would let you in if you came with like if you if your dad my dad would take me around uh-huh. and we'd go to go to see blues legends and jazz legends and 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 the and a lot of the motown session players were, were playing around town and you know just real casual bars and things like that but they were always like if, if a young person wanted to like learn about it and see it and and they were all they always had a, a thing like you know just don't be trying to get a, a drink at the bar and you're good come right. come watch this music and meet meet these folks so that that was a really 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 uh special time and place i feel really fortunate to have grown up in that that proximity to to such legendary american music yeah um and so throughout High school, I, I just got I got more and more serious about it. Started taking um, lessons, uh, like jazz guitar lessons. I mean, yeah. I, I while I was still like into punk and playing and, and, and playing funk and and rock and stuff like that, but got into playing jazz. And I started taking guitar lessons with a, a guy named Jake Reichbart out of uh, Ann Arbor. Um, and then there 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 was a a thing called the the Jazz Workshop uh, in downtown Detroit, put on by. Um, a pianist uh, named Harold McKinney. Okay. So he he would like kind of build this environment to learn tunes and to learn how to improvise and learn how to listen and learn how to play with a like a real rhythm section and stuff like that. And then yeah, and then I went to music school uh, wow. at Western Western Mi- Michigan in Kalamazoo. Okay. Uh, where Gibson guitars were originally made. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, that and that that was a real. It was kind of a small town, but it had a really cool music scene. I mean, there was just great bands, and and it's halfway between Detroit and Chicago. So like going to Chicago was to play gigs and see gigs, or yeah. and and then people would come through Kalamazoo, and and uh, and then so it's just it's a good time. But it was like real cold and snowy, so like you just hunkered in and and <laughs> practiced, which was <laughs> a really cool thing. Um, yeah, and then after college, I, I moved back to the Detroit area for about two years and uh, worked around around town, kind of like dialed dialed back into the Detroit scene and uh, Detroit and Ann Arbor. And yeah, just saved up money and then came out here with a good buddy uh, that I went to college with and uh, came out here to like be a, a working studio musician or, or just like a, a working musician. Yeah. Uh, but he and I had a band in college, and so the other two members from that band, uh, they moved out uh, a couple of years later, and, and we, we, we gave a go at being a band and trying to get something going, I guess, uh, uh, with a record deal or something like that. Yeah. Or, but it was kind of like in this – but at, at the same time, everybody was in the band was, was a really proficient, amazing musician on their own, so everybody was getting pulled in – nine million different ways to work for other people and stuff. It was just, I, that, that's the hardest part about having an original band in LA is that if you're playing with anybody that's halfway good, they're getting pulled in nine million different directions as they should, you know? And that's, that's, that is why people move out here. So it's just part of the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I think the band was called boys school, right? No, that was my own original project, but that the original band uh, with with my guys from from Michigan was called Population Game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, we were in all sorts of stuff. I mean, we were into Police and Queen and Prince and Sly and the Family Stone. And so there was just like a lot of things kind of coming together. And, and it was like the mid-2000s. It was like 2004 through like, we, we kind of, I think we kind of stopped playing around 2009, 2010. But, but uh, like it was a weird time where it was like the industry just totally bottomed out because the 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 internet and, and whatnot. So and I, I think we were like yeah. too pop and too polished for, for indie rock. And I think we were like too kind of different and kind of far out for, for pop, you know, major label stuff. So we were kind of in this weird place. And we, we were kind of this generation where we didn't utilize the Internet. We didn't utilize making YouTube videos yet. Like it was kind of budding. And then like that next generation right past us kind of like knew how to make videos and knew how to like. Yeah brand themselves and stuff like that we were kind of like in this like old model on the cusp of the new one and i don't know yeah weird weird circumstances <laughs> yeah no i but i think leading to what i was talking what we touched on a bit i i really struggle with this and think about it a lot and ruminate about it sometimes um because i don't know i i put out my fourth record a year ago and I, I'm certainly becoming more proficient at, at production and songwriting. Um, I also posted videos on social media. I, I, we, I taught myself how to edit music videos and we put some music videos together. And uh, I, I just, I think it's complicated and um, potentially a, a confusing landscape when artists, singer-songwriters, are sort of trying to create quality music, but then are also asked to then sort of be their own PR machine and create their own videos. And and I, it's weird. I think there's still a fallout going on uh, in the sense that, not that the record label system was was perfect. It was far from that. And clearly there's right. it's still there because Billie Eilish obviously is signed and you know she has a huge money marketing machine behind her. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I look. There's clearly YouTube stars that are making music and and getting seen. Um, I don't know. I just I think maybe because I'm older. I'm I'm not sure. But I I think I worry um, because of the subscription models. It it feels like people don't want to pay for music. But then again, I see people on Patreon where people are willing to pay there. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm not making any sense whatsoever, but I, I, I just think there's a strength. I think just this, this subscription model, even with movies, it, it feels like people don't value art potentially, but then I also think it's confusing for artists to be asked to do so many things. It's, it's, it's strange. I, I don't know. Am I making any sense here? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 What, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, in one in one sense, it's a beautiful thing to be able to like go back in the archives and 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 check out the deep albums that, like I said, like that I never had a chance to check out or never had the money to buy all twenty albums that your favorite person put out over their course of year, but or the course of their life. But uh, now now we have the luxury to at any any given time twenty four seven. We don't have to go to that really special record store across town that you know like gets imports or gets the deep ones and, and i mean that talk about like 
record shopping and stuff. And, and I mean, there was like certain record stores known for carrying certain kinds of music and stuff like that back in, back in the day and coming across something that nobody else had and stuff that, that there was something to that. And then you savored it and then you, you, you invested and spent time deciding if you liked it and like you decided if you didn't like it after you really gave it a good chance as opposed to like listening to like 10 seconds of something and being like skip yeah you know like that we're just kind of in this channel flipping kind of mode now you know because we can and and we're just i I think the subscription thing does that to us to where we're just like swiping on tinder or whatever it's just like an endless sea of you know potential mates do you, <laughs> you know do you, feel, do you feel like i mean i don't know if you're in the midst of like making a record now or but do you feel like you need to post on social media to sort of like so people see that you're making a record or you're in the studio do, do you even worry about what you should be doing on social media or are you just trying to create cool stuff i worry that i'm not involved in it and then and then i don't but i don't want to be either because huh. it because I feel like the more you get involved and the more, you know, you're like, okay, well, no sense in making a record if nobody's going to hear it. So, okay, let's let's get on this plan of, of uh, the schedule of trying to, like, do a marketing push, my own marketing push and stuff. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just setting myself up for, for uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm – but I don't want to engage with social media that much. Like – as a side, as a side musician, as a, as a working musician, all of a sudden, well, not even all of a sudden, in the last ten years, like posting on social media, is, uh, being a side musician is about that now, and you have to you have mm. to like show your office of the day, and you got to show pictures of your pedal board, and like and this person that hooked you up with this, and who you're having coffee with, and like it's just there's so many things that are now like this like topical thing that like. None of that used to be about it. It just used to be kind of like this thing that went on over – if some people found out about it, it was cool. Like that's what I liked about being a side musician is you didn't have to post about everything you were right. doing. It was kind of like my job and and, and there was, there's things that I'm constantly proud of. But it was it, like the people that were close to me knew about it. But like – but the minute you start taking out your camera in the middle – like that's just what's weird about being a working musician, let alone an artist – artist or whatever yeah but like as a working musician like you know people are pulling out the phone and taking pictures like in a rehearsal and see what we're cooking up today and it's like man like the minute that phone comes out like the, the moment is contrived as 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 like even as, as stealth as people want to make it or or like not it, it becomes egocentric all of a sudden like where I miss I miss like musicians just getting together and putting their heads together and the concentration and focus is just that heavy for whatever that amount of time that you're spending together and and it's not going to surface until it does you know and and there there there's a focus around that but like now it's just you got to like post about like every breadcrumb that you like you know spill at lunch that day when you're making a session that might not even come out for another year or something like that or more. And then and now I'm sitting here going, man, like if I'm if, if I'm not posting about it, do people like out there not think I'm working? Like I'm yeah. I'm working. I just don't don't choose to like or like if I post about this thing, does it make the other things that I do not look important if I don't post and I get this like 
circular like anxiety and I, I just like go numb and like don't even want to participate at all, let alone then put out my own music <laughs> into it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And I sound like a mess right now. I'm just no. talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, um, you sound like you, you articulated how I feel. I, I've been posting some reels of my guitar because I'm, I'm like demoing new ideas right now. And, and I'm just like I'm throwing them on voice memos. I'm making videos on my phone just so the ideas are there. And, yeah. and it's, it's like in that regard – I love my phone. I love that you know you and I are seeing each other and we're having this 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 great talk. But you're right. I do feel like anxiety about oh I should post this or um, but then I, it does take me out of the vibe. It takes me out of 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 the intimacy and sort of the privacy and the emotional depth of creating. <laughs> The intimacy and privacy is is the big thing, like exactly what you just said. The private, whether it's you, and it's totally just it's this this private moment that you're having. The minute that you you post about it, it's 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 for something else now, and then you get wrapped up in like, oh yeah, having to respond to the like, like and and like it just keeps going further. The way they've designed these apps and stuff, or you know the the platforms for the like button and. And how we get like into it too, you know, we get addicted. We're like, oh, they like my thing. And, and then, and now it's like, now you got to like, there's like etiquette around like, yep. liking, like you got to like when somebody likes your thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's like a thank you and stuff. And it just becomes this never ending waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a vortex of, of a toxic waste dump. Yeah. And, and, and I, I and, I'm glad to see my friends doing cool stuff and, 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 and the technology and during the pandemic, like we could talk face to face with as much as we could. And yeah, yeah technology is, it's just you gotta know when to put it down too, you know? You can see feels like for social media and Instagram to quote unquote work, I'm going to have to do more than just post a reel once a week. I'm going to have right. to, I'm going to have to post one every day. Yeah. I'm going to have to post five to 10 stories every day. I'm going to have to scroll and like other people's stuff. So I'm sort of in this precarious spot with social media or almost probably a meaningless spot where it's not going to do any good for me to post once a week because... What so, sort of your analogy and what you were talking about, I know emotionally if, if I did become that person where I'm posting 10, 15 stories a day, posting a reel every day, I am going to be communicating and holding my phone and getting feedback and, and it's going to completely take me out of the world of, I just want to make some fucking cool music. I want to get better at what I'm doing. I want to get better at the guitar and and like that to me is more important so I guess I've sort of resigned to the fact that, you know, I'm going to keep making good music and hope that I meet Taylor Swift's producer uh, because maybe I'm writing some music that where she and I can collaborate. Um, 
that that world, I guess, to, to me seems more realistic and interesting than becoming more known on social media. I, so that's sort of where I am. I, I don't know. Where, where are you with, like, where have you gotten to a place where you feel good about yourself and it, if, if, if you have? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I just, I, I, yeah, the same thing. Like, like it's not just putting a, a thing up once in a while isn't, the thing, you know, like if you do want to get your social media, like what you what you hear is like, you know, and they, they give you these checklists of how to like court the algorithm or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like chasing an algorithm is just not how I want to spend my time. Even And, and, and maybe that's just something I got, I got to suck up. Like it's, it's like, OK, you want to be a musician in 2022. You got to be real comfortable with with social media. And uh, it's just part of being a musician at this point. And, and it is a cool tool, like, cause it, it really will, like, if you get it going, it'll, it'll put you out there. Does that translate to people checking out your music? Does that translate to people like hiring you for things? Does that translate to people wanting to, to pay you for private music lessons? What, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I just put it up there as a reference of like, this is something that represents me if I'm jamming on something that I just like and I want to put out there once in a while, the weird thing that I see is like how practicing along to an album or to a song has become Mm -hmm. something to watch. Like whether it's like somebody got doing a transcription of a solo or just playing along. I don't know how playing along to an album became something to follow and like, 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 all of a sudden you're a serious musician. Like that's something that you do to become a serious musician. Yeah. That's what we do, but that's not something that you demonstrate as a performance. That's just, and maybe, maybe that's what the, maybe that's what the internet's become is like showing the whole process. And, and yeah, you get to hear people's practice techniques or, you know, there's some people that put up warts and all i appreciate those people or just like hey this is what i was shedding today and like it's be everything's kind of become this just constant show and tell uh, yeah yeah and but i i i just i i think it's weird to like post this is what i was practicing to to or practicing along to an album as if like you're doing something special that's just what you do to then go do something special yeah (laughs) you know and then film that and people do that as well but and then by the time i get to a gig like i'm just like so uh, like done by the time i set up and plug in my stuff and all my stuff is plugged in right i don't want to mess with a phone (laughs) and get the angle and like i just want to play music and it's like (laughs) chill (laughs) but then like somebody's like and man it drives me nuts when you're playing you're playing and something's feeling weird and you're looking over and the cat's trying to get an angle of them playing while you're playing and you're like wait wait that's happened like at a live gig oh yeah oh yeah oh, oh yeah fuck. you know musicians I, I i i still believe are some of the highest frequency people on earth you know like as far as like mind state and all that you know but man like the phone and and the Social media has just totally infiltrated musicians now because it, it is. It's alluring to broadcast. So now it's not you're just not you're not playing as a band. You're you're like check me out, and then they're you know playing like crazier shit because they're they're on they're they're recording oh, right. themselves, and now they're not playing for the band. 
Yeah. They're not broadcasting for the band. They're broadcasting for their own individual followers and, and, or they're doing it in a rehearsal and like everybody's minds are just like in 9 million places. And so sometimes I glare at people when they're messing with their phones while we're playing. Yeah. And, and it's just, and I'm just like, dude, especially when they're older, it's like, like people, people that are old enough to know that that's ridiculous. Like they should, but uh, some people are still doing it and, and yeah, it's kind of sad. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're touching on like a major theme of my show. And, and I think, Mike, the question I ask many people and myself is um, the, the titillation of dopamine and attention Maybe one of, the, I don't know if it's a carnal desire or if it's, it's just instinctual or if it's just this childish high school behavior that we all learned, like we all crave attention and we uh, need to manage that or else it will become the most important um, uh, magnetic pull in our day-to-day life. And so then I say to myself, um, is, is social, like beyond the, the easy access to all of this information, quote unquote, in art, um, you know, able to book trips to Tahiti pretty easily and not have to rely on a travel agent now, or, you know, there's so many things that are, that are truly wonderful. Absolutely. But Mm -hmm. I, I often question and think, you know, the, the dopamine, this need for feeling valuable, feeling like a celebrity, like 10,000 followers on Instagram that person that has 10,000 followers on Instagram is feels like they're Leonardo DiCaprio. Like they like emotionality is the same feeling like a celebrity, you know, you can't compare celebrityism. It it's the same emotional response. So that person that has 10,000 followers, they are thinking to themselves, they they are thinking to themselves, "Wow, look, I I feel like a celebrity. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio." Uh, Angelina Jolie and and that emotional whatever it is if if that is more important than raising your kids well or being you know quiet or creative or reading a book or just being an active participant in in day-to-day life like that is why I often contemplate and theorize that this may be what, like I had a friend over for dinner a few months ago and he's a DJ in LA and he said very matter of fact very very matter of factedly if that's such a word we we peaked as a society about five years ago and he said social media uh, has turned us has has made us climb over the mountain and now we are going down the abyss and and I I often think about that and it's sort of like, um, and again, I don't mean to depress you or my listeners, but I just, I wonder like, how great can the band be if they're thinking about, like imagine Led Zeppelin recording When the Levee Breaks and, and they're sort of like, oh wait, we gotta get this video up of, of Jimmy Page playing the guitar. Jimmy Page is in the middle of his take, <laughs> taking it for yeah. himself. I, yeah. I mean, hey I guys, know. just wanted to show you what we're cooking. Can you imagine Jimmy Page? <laughs> I mean, he was up to some other weird shit sure. that we never saw. Um, but, <laughs> but can you imagine? Yeah, imagine any of those people, Prince or whoever. Like, can you imagine them 
like stopping it, it, it's if being a celebrity's not already got got some sort of kind of egotism uh, you know like i mean when you're brilliant like that like you you probably can't help but or or you have to really be conscious of like keeping the the egotism at bay but it's it's it just puts yeah it puts this celebrity egotism to a whole other level yeah exhibitionism obse- uh uh what did I, uh, something, something ex- like a, like obscene exhibitionism is a, is a, is a, a phrase. Well, uh, yeah. And, and often I'll like see things on the news or television or something, uh, a calamity happening or somebody needing help. And instead of people going to this person to help them, they're all shooting video of the, of the incident. It's, it's weird. Like we have become so, I, I don't know. I, I often think like, God, how feeble are we are? Like, believe me, I I resist, Brett, the temptation of technology every day. Like, yeah. I, I'm reading the new David Sedaris book. I, I spent the last four years writing a book about this very thing that you and I are talking about. I, you know, the first year of the pandemic, I was basically out of work. I was getting unemployment. I could have watched 10 hours of Netflix a day. I spent that time recording a record. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm not doing this to be different. I'm doing it because I know how easy it is to go down that path of of just being drawn into minutia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a question. It's just, it's, it's just. I think we all have to ask ourselves, you know, what do we want to do today? Like, do we just want to waste it scrolling, or do we want to like? grow and and be deeper and 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 enrich find find enrichment beyond just getting attention and a hit of dopamine i i don't know i just yeah. it's what i yeah well, well and the audience also like their participation can, uh, the the audience participate the whole i mean it's cool that hmm. like uh, people are rebroadcasting <laughs> shows and performances and stuff like that but like as 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 a as a you know, an, or a, a, a musician on the LA scene or whatever, like you go out and, and personally, I want to hear my friends. I don't want to take, I don't want to take video of them other than our, everybody appreciates when you do take video of them. Cause then you can repost it. Cause like, especially if you're like forgetting to set it up yourself, you know, or too modest to set up the camera. And so it is nice when your friends do do that for you. On the other hand, man, I, I feel like the minute that I pull out my phone to take video, it be it. I'm not there to watch them, and 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 almost like there becomes this currency of me posting it. Mm. Like so, they're any what they're doing then becomes like part of my identity and see where I was today, and yeah. like and then I can attach my identity to them or or like absorb it into into my own brand, and it, and it all becomes like so superficial so quick and and uh so i hope my friends don't mind that i don't post them playing it's because i'm watching them play and like i don't know and i i i just music is so vivid to me but like i don't know i i keep i i i just want to hear my friends i don't and the minute i take out my phone it becomes not just like oh, okay i'm going to get some video for them because they'd appreciate this but then it like there's like 9 million like psychological Things, circles that go on in my head. Yeah, I don't want to get likes for posting their thing. I had nothing to do with their thing. I just watched it. Yeah. Like, and it's just getting so strange. Like, 
how people are taking credit, like people are getting credit for things that they're not even doing or I don't know. Yeah. Just the, the, the experience of, of, of taking in music has gotten so muddled up by other things and, and man, I'm starting, have you heard, have you been seeing the word immersive going around? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the new catchphrase of, uh, I, th- I think like since the pandemic, I've just been noticing immersive, this immersive, that immersive, this, and, and now they're making immersive experiences of Van Gogh and hmm. there's a Prince immersion and, yeah. and like all this, like extra lights and shit like that. And it's like, man, watching a band, is immersive enough to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old, but like a band just sweat it out and play together with, with no, especially with no tracks. Like I'm, I'm immersed in that. And so, and then I feel, and I feel like a silly light, like with graphics and, and images, immersive images and shit. It just takes me away from how good the music is. Um, and and I don't know, like for Van Gogh, I didn't see it, but I, I feel like I was just kind of anti it. The Van Gogh immersive experience. I'm like, if if looking at a Van Gogh that's this big isn't immersive enough to you, like maybe we should re recheck our idea of an experience. sort of adjusting to this society and, and how we're, you know, dealing with this, this mush of tech and social media and attention spans. Yeah. Um, well, I think I, I'm doing a lot of the same that I, I'm always kind of trying to tweak Yeah. what I've always done just, just for the, the new, <laughs> the new day. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been a music teacher since, I mean, I've, I've been teaching lessons since since i was probably like 19 oh wow okay um, yeah and and the, the more i do that the more the more even the, the longer i do it like just kind of the more i kind of it was always something i could do uh because it came naturally to me and stuff like that but the the longer i do it um the more i kind of just identify as a as a music educator um and i and i i don't know i feel like i'm kind of leaning more into like my, my musical philosophies and, um, yeah. and, and it's much based out of just like the, the teaching and my, my, that I, that I, I was fortunate to, to had and, and to been around and then also my peers and stuff and who, who I really respect, uh, in my, in my musician circle. I mean, they're all my teachers as well. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I do. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my, my career is, is kind of divided into, probably thirds like uh a third of it is is being a side musician and and for things that come up you know like yeah. sometimes it's sometimes it's kind of dry other times it's it's like raining and pouring i like to spend time uh just writing my own music i think i gave like outside of being in a band with my buddies i i uh i've been in a few other bands that other people started and stuff like that and i i i, I often found that they weren't true democratic bands like there was always kind of like a hierarchy going on mm. and uh that only lasts so long for my 
for my interest. Uh, so, so that's, that's why I've just kind of really spent a lot of time focusing on, on my own projects that, that, that I basically, I put together, uh, with all my resources of my friends and stuff like that. And, um, you know, write different tunes. And so maybe, maybe the, uh, my my music doesn't totally have a, a central sound. It, it jumps around so much because I, I think it. I love a lot of different music. I, I legitimately love and play a lot of music, uh, but but also I use a lot of different different friends to record it and stuff. So it ends up not having a totally congruent sound. Although I think that's become the sound is that it's it's just it it really is like my circle of of buddies that all contribute to it. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Sorry, I just, just want to hammer that point a little bit because I had a previous guest on and he was talking about how he put out this record that was like really different shapes and sizes and different genres. And, and so people that were listening to it were like, man, I, I, I don't know who you are anymore. And and I remember, I, I don't know, I feel like there was a certain sense of exploration and freedom like like i think of you two and you know when they made octung baby and zuropa after joshua tree and then made um like almost a a dance record with the song my or pop the record was called pop, pop. and yeah I, you know it just yeah sure the critics because it's sort of like how they are you know for rolling stone or something you know they would give their view about oh it's not joshua tree or it's not octung baby but there was just there's something exciting about artists and bands where you don't know what they're going to do. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. It just, it feels like the society that we're in right now, everything is very homogenized and everything is just sort of like, Oh, it's, it's like, it's gotta be the same. Or I want to know what Billie Eilish is going to do. Or it, it's sort of like, no, I, I, I want her to fucking, you know, grab a piano or something or grab a, a, a saxophone. I, I don't know. Like, I just want her to do something completely wild and crazy it's it i i worry and wonder if if sort of this algorithmic centric world and it's sort of like creating a homogenization where it's like we we're uncomfortable if somebody is 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 being creatively different uh-huh and even like jumping around i mean like beatles records are all over the place yeah yeah case in point those are the best uh, most popular records that have ever existed and like they're all over the place. Led Zeppelin records are all over. Prince records are all all over the place. Oh yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think we're between how records don't sell, the people that are kind of running it and making decisions are music supervisors now. I mm -hmm. think, and because music supervisors are kind of calling shots as far as what they need to fit into a a rom com background or or uh, you know some moody kind of thing or. You know, like they're really dict. I think, yeah, music supervisors, whoever gave them the clout to decide how to make culture, um, they're they're dictating to artists what they need because that's what where the money, where some of the money is, and well, and a so lot if you of write, money. yeah, yeah. So if you write something that can fit really, really uh, nicely into the background of something or be featured, I mean, yeah. So I think that's kind of like really dictating a lot of how music is made. Um, I think, I think like Instagram type playing and stuff like real exciting kind of like one minute, you know, like grab their attention kind of stuff is really, and, and, and now it, I feel like we're, we're so aware of each other now, like it's kind of flattened out the language and, and like being, 
I don't know. I don't want to sound too much like a dinosaur, but I feel like we're aware of too much. Mm. Whereas like if we're aware of less, you just kind of have your influences. You don't have to you don't have to boast about who you're you don't have to make a post about just got all this at the record store and like this is who I you know, like everybody's like making these proclamations of what their identity is by like having culture be, like it's like putting a badge on, you know, like and, yeah. and everybody has to like proclaim it as loud as so this is who I am in this wash of a bunch of people with phones. And 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 uh and I think the la- just like when I watch guitar playing and stuff, guitar playing is kind of I hear a lot of the same thing, and I don't hear a lot of. And then you come across somebody who's really different. And you're like, dang, that's really cool. But like, they're, they're I think the thing, a lot of the things that get popular on Instagram are uh, a certain kind of sound, and it's really flattened out the language as opposed to being like really interested in not sounding like everybody else. And that was kind of the goal. Is like. I got my pedals. I don't really want to talk about them too much. It's just what I use to make my sound. And I'm into the, the, like, these are three of my favorite players, but it's a mix of this. That's like way over here. And it's a mix of this. And I don't want to talk about it too much. Like it's just me. Check it out. If you like it, if you don't, that's cool too. But now it's kind of like people are uncomfortable with, with like everybody's trying to be liked so much that uh, I think they're bending a little, yeah, homogeneously, um, you know, or where, where singers, they all like every, you don't hear a lot of singers that sound totally original at this point. It's kind of like a, like American Idol or something like flattened out the language into this like acrobatic kind of pseudo R and B kind of voice. I'm not, I'm not knocking R and B. I love R and B. I'm just tired of hearing singers singing pseudo R and B. Yeah. Uh, I'd really like to hear somebody just come out with a fucking weird ass voice uh, singing some weirdo tunes. But I feel like every everybody kind of sings like Adele or <laughs> or or uh, John Legend or you know somebody. But yeah. you know, and everything music no, it, is always stemming out of something. But I think like it's just like more music is like stemming out of all the same things at this point because of the access yeah. or something. We're aware of too much. Yeah, it just it's weird when I put on an Adele record, I it just it's it, the vocals are too loud um and it's it's it it makes me uh feel very sleepy. And when I li- listen to John Legend, his first record, um it had the song God, I used to love you. God, that that record was so it was his first record. Uh, I think Kanye produced a lot of the songs. Uh-huh. That that record was great. Used to, I think it was "Used to Love You" was the song that was like kind of the hit. Man, I love that record. And then what's happened to his 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 songwriting and his his music? I'm just like God. I got it. Just got it. Became so boring and homogenized to me. It's like so pretty and clean and so uninteresting now to me. Pretty and clean has really become like the. <laughs> Like you can't put out an like a like an album that's got yeah well I mean yeah and and bands that that got to play with tracks and you gotta you gotta present your album you you know your songs exactly like the album or or you feel like I I feel like artists aren't giving the audience enough credit like mm. to be able to listen to something that doesn't sound like the record and and that has become the industry standard is to 
go and recreate the album in front of people. So playing with a mess of tracks and and not not sounding on the on the fringe at all. Like like I don't know. Like a band sounds really good when you know that they're tight, but they're also pushing, and it feels like it might fall apart, but it doesn't. You know, like that's that's as cool as it gets to me. Well, it's what? interesting. Like I think of like um, the White Stripes and Jack White. Like there was something about just the two of them where it just felt like at any moment it could just like explode or run off its tracks or you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. And now when I listen to Jack White, he's he's freaking brilliant, but it it just feels like it's all contained and and feels very controlled and safe and. I don't like. It's interesting. I just thought about that as you were. I just thought of him as you were talking about this idea, and I was thinking about John Legend. It's like there's something about the raw falling off the tracks, or just the unbalanced of music that uh, it does feel like. I I don't remember when I hear that. I I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um. And and. Maybe maybe that I I mean I don't know how the smile is playing live if they're playing with tracks it's just three three people I think right? it's just the three I'm going in December to the show so oh cool yeah cool but I mean that, that there's there's I mean there's obviously like a lot of guitar textures going on or yeah. so I'm I'm curious how they would do that but I I believe that that even if if your your album has a lot of textures or a symphony or or whatever a lot of backing backing vocals or a horn section. If you go out there with a trio, I I do believe that you should be able to play most of the tunes. I mean, some songs are just kind of like that was a studio cut and we'll leave it there. But I th- I think interpreting a song live is a part of the creativity of being a musician and trying to figure out how to portray that song live without all the without all the crutches. Um whether it's like another instrument picking up more of the slack or or you leave them out. Like I think you don't have to. You don't have to play everything. It doesn't all have to be there. But the, the minute you start playing with tracks and stuff, it it, it just, you're then getting dragged along by this, by the computer. Hmm. Uh, and and. And I know I know there's a lot of benefits to playing with it, and 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 I've I've done it in every sort of fashion, like from the jankiest all the way to the the highest, like two people manning the. The computer, they'll pay, they'd rather pay two two computer operators to go out on tour, like and make sure that two computers don't go down instead of paying two two extra musicians. But <laughs> you know, whatever, and or you know, certain music just doesn't sound right when it doesn't have like a drum machine playing. I, I'm not knocking drum machines, but like I don't know, you start putting all the background vocals and the ethereal atmospheric shit in there, and and uh, you're just getting dragged along by the computer and and. For me, playing to that, I don't care how good the setup is or or whatever or how minimal it is. It's like you're more performing a service that instead of like expressing, doing you know performing expression in front of people. And and there's there's nobody has to like nobody has to uh, pull the weight anymore. The weight is already going without you. And and so you get done playing a show like that, and you go, man, I. I don't feel like I uh, did anything. I don't feel accomplished right now. Yeah. I just, where you play a gig with some 
some people not on a click or not on a, on tracks and you're all in it together. And one of you starts wavering and the other has to kind of like reel you in, you know, and there's a, there's a teamwork to that. And, and then, so you get on that same train and God, it, it feels, it really, it, 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 I, I, I consider that like meditation, uh, the closest thing to talking to God is getting on, on that train with, three other people, four other people, five other people, whatever, how many other people, a whole orchestra. If everybody's moving together, that is a feeling that uh, I don't think many people experience in the world uh, very naturally. And uh, so I feel like I'm all, I'm constantly chasing that feeling and I get really frustrated when I can't get to it, when I know that it is possible. And, and it, a lot, sometimes I get done and I'm like, God, I was just not in the headspace or, what a, you know, there's a lot of factors that get in, in the, in the way of getting to that spot, but like, it's always the goal is to kind of get there. And I feel like it, it's, it's present. It's available to, to, if everybody else wants to do it, but I, I feel like that's getting further and further away from musicians at this point, the more that they start going, well, we got to play on tracks. So it's an industry standard. Or we got to make the audience like listen to the, it's got to sound like the record. And I'm yeah. like, no, it doesn't. The, talking to God in front of the audience is what we need to give them. <laughs> and, and, you know, like that's going to move them more than hearing the record that they're, they're going to be not all that interested in next week anyways, because they're just consuming it anyways. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was, uh, man, you, you really shed a light on a lot of things that I think about. And I, I think I want to talk I have to make a point about you brought up music supervisors. Did you watch the most recent Stranger Things? No, I haven't. No. Well, there's you know in the quote unquote news was uh, one of Kate Bush's huge hit songs. I forgot the name of it. Um, all of a sudden, the running up a hill. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. the music supervisor used that song um, profusely throughout the uh, uh, the season. And sure enough, that song just like shot up the iTunes charts because people were being re, you know, introduced or reintroduced to this song. And so there was a couple articles talking about the prowess and, and sort of the quote unquote influence of music supervisors and just saying how, you know, essential they are to um, the creative world and to musicians. But there was an article coming out that came out in the New Yorker where it was talking about how it's, it's not the same thing. And it's it's presenting a song through a show through a music supervisor. I guess her point was that it just it felt um, fabricated or or sort of preordained or uh, predetermined or it's sort of like force. Somehow it's it, it was different than a DJ or different than a culture uh, responding to a song on the radio for the first time. Um, I, I don't know. It, and, and to sort of your point about music supervisors, like I remember 20 years ago when I was pitching stuff to music supervisors, it was so easy to get them songs because they were looking for indie artists and bands were making their money through record sales and touring. But because record sales are gone, 
you know, those music supervisors now, and I often, look, I don't know, I'm, I'm theorizing here, but I, I, I think there's a lot of payola going on now, not with record, uh, not with radio stations, but you got to believe these record labels or companies or big time managers are payoling the hell out of music supervisors because they know that this, this thing that happened with Kate Bush could happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's something that I think about. Yeah. Or it's it's like one person who's got kind of their their ear on the beat, you know, or or whatever. Just yeah, that's an amazing, that's an awesome song, and and it, and it has been that that Kate Bush has been like getting like like kind of having. I've just noticed like people yeah. more and more people talking about her pretty gradually over the last few years and stuff like that, and and uh, and so it just seems like this 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 music supervisor was kind of like in on that that trend i think that was like a rising trend already and then yeah. they just basically curated it for the absolute mass pop which that song should, should i mean kate bush should be uh immortalized like that but i but it's it's like this pure cure it's like we're we're alleviating our own imaginations mm, to these yes. music supervisors to curate everything's curated now so you don't have to think for yourself so you don't have to put anything together for yourself and now, like you just basically subscribe to this one curator or influencer, and then you get, and then you can attach your own identity to just being like, yeah, I follow this person, and like I don't need to think, and and yeah, like a song being put into a show that's already coloring your imagination. Your imagination's got now you can't make a picture for it in your own mind because now it's stuck to Stranger Things. Hmm. Um, yeah, and. And I, I mean, I shouldn't talk either because there's so many songs that, that I, I heard for the first time in movies, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I was what, 11 or something when Wayne's World came out or 12 or something like that. Yeah. So Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't on my radar until Wayne's World came out. So, and yeah, part of the things that I see in my head is still Wayne's World, the dudes banging their heads to right. it and stuff like that. So I, I can't talk, but. I, I just I do see where uh, I guess music is just being kind of all the entities for our own imagination to like kind of go wild on on the music in our own mind or being yeah. filled in by whoever's kind of at the helm of that, which is cool in some ways, and then it probably limits us in other ways. I don't I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess then my last question, which will. Uh, piggyback off of this last point what do you because i agree with you i think i i think we are becoming lazier as a culture uh things are being spoon-fed there's a level of curiosity and active participation in our day-to-day lives that now wonder obesity is like so overwhelmingly high people are literally lounging and watching reality television shows all day so i think we as human beings have to be so uh, in tune with with getting off, you know, being active, being remaining curious, because remaining curious because the algorithms are so powerful that you literally can just be spoon fed. You know, you can get food delivered on Uber every day. I, I speak to people where literally they're using Uber. Are they bad people? No, but are they, you know, limiting them? Are, are is their activity level? Uh, is are, are their senses not as titillated because everything is being fed to you? Every you literally are like this 
this king on a castle. We we can be we can feel like a king because we are just like spoon-fed information and food and and Amazon deliveries. So with all of that being said, what do you do to sort of you know, to to combat that, to to stay curious, to be active, to to raise the senses in in your periphery? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, it, it has to be a real um, course of action for you. You have to be aware to do that in the first place. Um, like, like uh, I'm just talking about psychologically and, and yeah. with our mind, you know. Like, like l- l- let alone fitness. Um, yeah. But yeah, like just keeping our minds. You have, like we said earlier before, like you got, you got to know when to shut the technology off. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. We can get anything at our fingertips anytime we want there you don't even, you don't even have to wait for like the hours where it's it's open you know like st- stuff is open and, and <laughs> right. made to serve you we are in a a pretty wild time the enlightenment has <laughs> arrived and maybe gone too far um but yeah i don't i don't know um psychologically i i i, I try to um yeah, balance not not being wrapped up in social media. I also don't want to participate in it. It feels synthetic, and and so I I, I genuinely value having conversations in person and and conversations that that are curious and and uh, like pose really really um, thoughtful questions. Um, with openness and stuff without any sort of um opinion well i we, everybody's got opinions but without imposing questions without imposing an opinion in the first place and stuff like that so so that conversation can circulate and stuff i'm i'm really big into and uh, understanding what shuts down a conversation uh hmm. when i when i'm out and about and i i try to really identify what did sh- just shut that that why did that conversation go so off right um and so I, I try and analyze those things, but I don't know. I, 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 uh, I'm constantly trying to check out new music, but also like, uh, not just consume it, but like stick with it, um, and, and stay with it, uh, for, for a period of time. And where, where I like, like the old days where you just sat with an album for a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was studying psychology for, uh, during the pandemic, that was kind of my project. I was a little burned out on music, to be honest. So when the pandemic came, I was like, "I'm cool for a minute, okay." Yeah. Um, so then, I, yeah, I started started uh, taking psychology courses online at LACC, wow. uh, which was which was awesome. It was it was it, it it's changed my life, and and uh, it was like private therapy itself, just getting to think about such heavy things and stuff like that. And, and, and I'm, I'm back at music and, and really enjoy just being, staying busy and stuff like that. But reading psychology was, was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I like to ride my bike. Uh, and I always have a good thought and, and mull over a bunch of stuff while I'm riding my bike. Um, I just try and do things where I'm, I'm mentally engaged and stuff and not, and not, doing stuff to just project on Instagram or whatever. I, I, so I feel like so many, so many activities get, uh, kind of bogged down by people trying to catch the shot or like make sure everybody knows who they're hanging out with or what they're doing and stuff like that. And I really choose to not do that in those perfect situations where it would be a great Instagram story or whatever. I, I, I 
actively choose to not do that as as rebellion against this wave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brett, I don't know. this was great, man. This was yeah. Really, no, I I I want to keep talking. I want to, uh, you know, share some like if I have a song or something that's that's like needs some other guitar or something or just a set of ears i'll send it your way this is i love it this is yeah this is i just feel very uh very like-minded and similar to how you view the world and your your curiosity and and wanting more than than what we're given it was it was really great to get to know you better and talk further about all this stuff yeah likewise well i i i would love to get together in person too so yeah yeah yeah. you're near you're near pasadena yeah, South Pasadena. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it would be great to to see you and talk and just talk music. It's, this was great. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for making I really, the time. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the questions and, and, and same thing. It's 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 really cool to talk to somebody that that, that understands the same the same thing that and I think a lot of people are kind of getting to this point and, and now we're so stuck in it now, you know, like it's it's going this direction and it's like either go with it or you go against it but but we're in this kind of middle ground right now yeah i I feel that big time yeah so yeah it's a pleasure to talk cool cool man yeah i'm glad to glad to spend some time likewise dude have a good day thanks eddie bye see ya It's not so bad, there is so much good to get.